0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with fellowship with God, as we pick up in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 5. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: Thus, for you to become one with God, have fellowship with God, something must be done about your sins. So no man can really have fellowship with God apart from Jesus Christ. The cross of Christ is to them that perish foolishness, but to us who are saved, thereby it's the power of God, whereby I've been cleansed of my sin so that now I can come to God through Jesus Christ. So the 16th chapter is absolutely a fabulous chapter to study. As you see Aaron the high priest going in, sprinkling the blood before the mercy seat, making the atonement in the holy place for the uncleanness of Israel. And that was with the blood of the bullock and then going back in with the blood of the goat. The two goats, they cast the lots. One was for the Lord, sacrificed as the sin offering, but the other one, the scapegoat. These speak of the twofold work of Jesus Christ. Jesus not only provides the forgiveness of your sins, but he also provides you power over sin to separate your sins from you. Now, the second goat, the scapegoat. After having slain the first goat, upon whom the lot fell, and offering it as a sacrifice, he took the second goat and he laid his hands upon the head of this second goat. And over the head of the second goat, he confessed all the sins of the nation, transferring all of the sins onto this second goat. And then the second goat was led by a priest out of camp, out into the wilderness. And it was let go to just run off in the wilderness. And it was the scapegoat, and it spoke of the separation of us from sin. Now, as the years went on, there was a highly developed ritual that went with this. As the temple was finally established in Jerusalem, there was a certain area where the scapegoat was generally released. And there were men that would stand at vantage points all the way out to the Judean wilderness. And the priests would be going out and the people would all be waiting back in the great area of the temple mount and the priest as he would lead the scapegoat out into the wilderness finally had come to the wilderness area where he turned it loose and as it ran and when it disappeared he would give a signal to the fellow back on the mountain peak who would give the signal to the next guy who would send the signal to the next to the next to the next and in just a few moments the signal would come From the Mount of Olives to those down on the Temple Mount that the scapegoat has gone. The sins are gone. And there would be this great rejoicing of the people, the singing of the Hallel Psalms, the praises unto God as, as the news would come back that the goat carrying the sin was gone. And I think of that great rejoicing when we realize that our sins are gone never to be remembered again, Christ having borne them, carried them, and the victory and the power that he gives to us over sin. So this Day of Atonement, most important day in the Jewish calendar, it's worthy to study and compare with Jesus Christ. So in verse 34, this shall be an everlasting statute unto you to make atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. Now in chapter 17, God laid out that there was only to be one place for sacrifice and that was the temple. They weren't to just sacrifice anywhere. but the the tabernacle and later the temple were to be the only places where sacrifices were to be offered unto the Lord. And that any time you killed any of your animals, you really should bring them, you shouldn't just butcher your animals anywhere in the field. You should bring them to the temple and offer them unto the Lord as a peace offering or communion with God so that you would offer it and then you would get uh, the the part of the meat back for yourself in order that as you ate, it was something that had been offered to God. He is having part of it. The fat and all is burned uh, as a sweet savor unto the Lord. And so you get the meat to eat. And as you eat, the idea is I'm communing with God. I'm eating with God. I'm having this fellowship with God, the peace offering. And so anytime you were going to eat meat, any time you were going to have a barbecue, you should bring it first to the priest, offer it to the Lord, let it be slain there. You weren't to just slay the animals anywhere, but let, it, let it, there be that constant reminder of the need that we have for fellowship with God. And so offer it to God and realize that I'm eating with God, I'm partaking with God, I'm a part of God, and, and realize that relationship that you have to the Lord. And then, in the latter portion of chapter 17, the sanctity of the blood, beginning with verse 10. They are not to eat any manner of blood, nor to allow any stranger within the land to eat any manner of blood. For God will set His face against that person and cut them off from the people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes the atonement for the soul. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, No soul of you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger that sojourns among you eat blood. And whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel, or the strangers, and so forth, that hunts and catches any beast or fowl, that it may be eaten, he shall pour out the blood and cover it with dust. For it is the life of all flesh, the blood is for the life thereof. Therefore, I said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh, for the life of all flesh is the blood. So the respect for life, and then, of course, the realization that the blood was that which brings the covering for sin. Chapter 18 Here we find the term used over and over again, for I am the Lord your God. So God wants a holy people. He tells them how they are to walk with Him. For I am the Lord your God. And actually laying out the importance of the fact that they are representing God to the world. Now Paul the Apostle speaks about how the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of the ways the Jews were living. And, and God was stressing the importance for I am Jehovah, your God. And all through this chapter, you'll find that emphasis as God deals with them in the way that they should live and dealing with moral issues in chapter 18. Now, As God deals with these moral issues, he is dealing basically with incestuous relationships, first of all, and forbidding any type of incestuous relationship. I think that the movie industry has had the most corrupting influence upon the world than any other single source. I think the minds of men have been polluted more through the movie industry than anything else. I think that they have introduced more filth and corruption into the world than any other single source. And there seems to be within the movie industry a desire to show bizarre kind of relationships. First of all, adultery. Seeking to make it an acceptable practice. And then having satiated people with adulterous relationships so that it no longer gives a tingle, they started showing incestuous relationships. Seeking to make them accepted practices. And then began to show bestiality. The relationship with animals. Horrible, filthy, polluting things. Now, the Bible says, Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And if you sow to the flesh, you're going to have the flesh reap corruption. You cannot look at those things without polluting yourself without polluting your mind, because you are sowing into your mind these things. And if these are the things you are sowing into your mind, sowing to your flesh, then of your flesh you're going to reap corruption. Paul tells us of the heathen world having forsaken God and not wishing to retain God in their minds, God gave them over to minds that were reprobate. And then he begins to speak of the reprobate practices and goes on then and lists a whole horrible list of the reprobate practices of men who no longer wanted to have God in their conscience. Of course they didn't want God in their conscience. Of course they'd like to think that we evolved from animals. They must get rid of God out of their conscience. Because they could never live with a conscience with all of the horrible, filthy things that they have dreamed up in their minds and in their imaginations and have portrayed upon the films. Horrible acts. And as Paul lists for us in Romans chapter 1, these horrible things that men did, he says something very startling at the end of the chapter. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Now, go down that list again and just think of the movies. What kind of things do they depict in the movies? Fornication, unrighteousness, wickedness, covetousness, murder, deceit, haters of God, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, without natural infections, Those are the things portrayed. They say, well, this is life. This is realism. This is how people live. We have a right to to show it because this this is real. This is real life. Realism. If that is so, God help us. We're living in a horrible world. But the last verse is the clincher. Who, knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. If you go to the show to find pleasure in watching murders, in watching fornication, in watching these things, if you go to the show to find pleasure watching other people do them, you are guilty. Taking pleasure in those that do them. So God is speaking now of, of the moral laws. His people are to be a pure people, His people are to be a representative people before the world. You're not to be as the world. Everybody's doing it is no excuse for the child of God. You're to be separate, you're to be different from everybody. He is the Lord, your God your life is to be separate and different, and if it's not, then what do you really have? Surely not a true relationship with God. And so the first thing that God is forbidding here is any type of incestuous relationships, things that are all of a sudden become a very popular subject in the Hollywood movies. After the showing of a few movies where fathers abusing their daughters and all. They've made it almost a common thing. And the young girls that are abused by their fathers today, the number of them is staggering. It's horrible. It's unthinkable. But that whole horrible door was opened by Hollywood. Oh, yes, I know it existed earlier, but it's, magnified through Hollywood. Absolutely horrible. What a corrupt, sinful world. But because Jehovah is your God, you're not to be polluted by these things. You're not to follow these practices. You're to be different. And the theme all the way through chapter 18, for I am Jehovah, your God. And you'll find that he says it some 14 times as he emphasizes this truth. Now they are not to allow their children to pass through the fires, thy seed to pass through the fires of Molech. uh, Which was, now God said the Egyptians did these things, the Canaanites did these things. I know that they're doing it. But for this reason I'm driving the Canaanites out of the land. For this reason, I'm destroying them. You're not to follow the practice of the Canaanites, the land, the people in the land where you're going. In verse 27, the prohibition of homosexual relationships. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Now these, <laughs> I know where I am. I'm just trying to frame the word for these characters who are trying to pass themselves off as ministers and so forth who are advocating homosexual relationships. In verse 23, bestiality forbidden. Defile not yourselves, verse 24. In any of these things, for in all of these The nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. The land is defiled, therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomits out her inhabitants. In other words, the land itself is so sick of the corruption that is going on within, ultimately the land itself vomits out. I wonder, I wonder, Jesus, it was interesting, said when the Pharisee said, Lord, rebuke your disciples when he was making his triumphant entry, he said, I'll tell you something. If, I were, if these disciples were, were to altogether hold their peace, these very rocks would cry out. I wonder how much the land really knows. God said to Cain, the blood of thy brothers, the ground crieth out unto me where your brother's blood was spilled. Now, God says the land vomited out the inhabitants of the people. So sick were their practices. You see, there is a point of moral decay that once a nation reaches that point, it can no longer exist. It's gone beyond the point of of return. And the nation can no longer exist. It's going to crumble and fall. And let me tell you something. The United States is awfully close to that point. Now God, in speaking of these things, said to the nation Israel, if you will obey my commandments and do them, then I will make you great. But if you forsake them, then you're going to be cursed in the city, cursed in the fields, cursed everywhere you go. God said righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And God's cry against Israel and the reason why she had to fall was they have forsaken my laws, they have forsaken my commandments, and they've gone after their own ways. And I'm sure that as God looks at the United States today, His cry is much the same. They have forsaken my ways, they've forsaken my laws, they've forsaken my commandments. And the land is about to vomit out its inhabitants because of the things that we have allowed. Sitting back and doing nothing. And so the land is defiled. Therefore I visit the iniquity as the land vomits out her inhabitants. Now, verse 28, that the land spew not you out also when you defile it as it spewed out the nations that were before you. For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them shall be cut off from among their people. Therefore shall ye keep my ordinance, that ye may commit not any one of these abominable customs which were committed before you, and that ye defile not yourselves therein. For I am Jehovah your God.
0: We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Leviticus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Leviticus 16 through 18 when visiting the org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck.
1: May the Lord be with you and bless you and keep you in His love and grace. May the Lord watch over you and may you be filled with His Spirit and walk in the strength and in the power of the Spirit of God as He anoints you day by day. May you be enabled by Him. Alert unto the Lord in these last days when the world around you is walking in its drunken stupor. May your mind and heart be clear and sensitive to God and to the things of the Spirit. In Jesus' name.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California.
1: I feel we are so close to the end. I have never seen so many signs that point to the end. Our country is in the worst mess it's ever been in. I said to Chuck, what can we do? Our life is given to the ministry, to the salvation of souls, and the walk of Christians, and yet we can't seem to make a dent. Chuck, do you think it's because the Lord is coming soon, and maybe there's going to be one last revival? Hey ladies, I would like to highly encourage you to pick up a copy of Kay Smith's new book, Colossians, the most recent addition to her Bible study series. Like the believers in Paul's day, today we live in the midst of cultural craziness, and we too are vulnerable to the quick fix solutions of world philosophers and religious legalists. Let Kay guide you through the book of Colossians to understand how the Lord wants you to live in these last days, to love your family, and to revive our nation. To order a copy for yourselves or a friend, please call The Word for Today at 1-800-272-9673. Or to see a sneak preview, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.